Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on our Unlocking the Keys to Wealth LinkedIn audio event. I'm hosting today's call alongside Daha Memon. I'm Sadia Salahuddin. I'm the director at BCN. We are an agency that prides ourselves in giving thoughtful leaders a platform to be seen and be heard. We partner with events to create, to curate their talent for their stages and with the with individuals to expand their personal brands through podcasts, speaking engagements at conferences and events. So if you're interested in partnering with us as a conference host or being a thoughtful leader, please message me and we can set up a discovery call. Um, Baha, would you like to say a couple of words? Hey, Sadia. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of this panel and speak beside Ray and Niesh and all of you. Um, I, I mean, th these guys have so much knowledge within this field, so I'm excited to um, see what everyone has to add to this segment. Thank you. Um, great. So we are recording this call. So if anyone you, you know couldn't make it, we will be reposting the audio on our Spotify, Apple, and Amazon podcasts by the end of the week. Please share this with your friends. Be Seen is huge on giving back and sharing knowledge and just building our community. So today our spotlight is on unlocking the keys to wealth, strategies for building and preserving generational wealth. So whether you're an entrepreneur or just someone trying to ex explore I, how to expand your wealth and create generational wealth, there's tons of knowledge here to equip you with actionable strategies on this call. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone to be courteous of each other while speaking and to also answer the questions within the allotted time. We will be taking questions from the audience during the last 20 minutes or so of this call. So audience members, please um, raise your hands and we'll bring you up and you'll be able to ask one of the panel members a question. So, so happy to have you guys all here. I'm looking forward to hearing about each one of your unique experiences in your fields. We have Daniel here, Ray and Niesh. Could you all take a second, um, a couple minutes to briefly introduce yourselves, where you're based and share your background on wealth management? Um, Daniel, why don't we start with you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, everybody. So uh, just a little bit about me. I uh, first got into marketing over seven years ago when one of my mentors was working on the presidential campaign. Uh, they ran it all outside of uh, San Antonio, Texas. So he's the one that I learned how to build an agency from. I built an agency, came to a level of success, wanted to give back. I created a nonprofit to help coach men that are coming out of the prison system. And uh, that's what got me into grants and fundraising. And so, uh, gosh, over the past, you know, four or five years, we've raised over nine figures for, uh, for nonprofits <clears throat> to facilitate their impact on the world, which has been super fulfilling and absolutely incredible. And, and that's, you know, during that process, it evolved into from fundraising into protecting people's wealth. And, and so now we've truly uncovered the you know secrets of the Rockefellers and all these other wealthy families that don't necessarily teach new money the the way that they've been living and operating for many generations. 
So that's a little bit about myself. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much, Daniel. Ray, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me, Sadia. So my name is Ray Sayed. <clears throat> I've been in accounting and finance for the last 25 years now, uh, or actually more than that. Um, I started off in public accounting, um, and from there I got into corporate accounting. Did that for about 10 or 12 years, um, then went and got an MBA. After my MBA, my desire was, like any immigrant, um, to start my own business. And <clears throat> I decided to do um, work as a CPA and have my own CPA firm. While I was doing that, I was approached by Robert Half, which is the largest specialized staffing agency in the world, to come and work with them. So I figured, you know, I didn't know how to do sales. Um, Robert Half was a great avenue for me to go and learn that. Joined Robert Half, and I've been very successful there for the last 12 years or so. Um, during the same time, I've built my CPA firm to be a pretty successful um, venture. Um, over the last 12 years where I've been doing both things, I've come across multiple people um, from uh, different walks of life, have consulted with them and helped them grow their wealth, um, have been instrumental in developing uh, plans for a lot of my clients. And a lot of what I learned from business school from, from um, you know, getting my MBA was utilized by me and taught by me to my clients. I've successfully helped a lot of people come out of uh, um, you know, situations where they weren't really accumulating anything and weren't thinking about the future and have made them very successful. I'm also an angel investor in multiple businesses. Um, and my goal every time I speak with someone, any of my clients is to help add value to their um, portfolio and add value to their lives and their, their generational wealth. So um, happy to be here. Would love to hear about other people also. Thanks so much, Ray. Niesh, you're up next. Thanks so much, Sadia, for inviting us. And it's, it beats a panel, which I would love to learn a lot of things. Guys, I come from, from India. I studied from a school where my seniors are Mr. Satya Nadella of Microsoft, the CEO of Adobe and others. Uh, I started this business around in 2001. It was a one-man army. I started off all alone. There was no computers, no laptop, no digital payments, nothing. Today, as a fintech and as a wealth management company, we cater to the top 1%, starting from the income tax commissioner to some of the national shooting champions, the film stars, some of the top people's wealth is managed by us. The main reason why I started this is because I realized there is a need. Today, India has a population of 1.4 billion and uh, just... 2,000 wealth managers. That means there is a huge demand where people need support, people need guidance. And our fintech is completely digital. We are end-to-end -end digital. There is no paperwork required. Our company, fortunately, has been awarded as some of the most promising and trusted companies in India. Uh, more to say, I would love to learn from all of you. I operate from a place known as T-Hub. 
which is global's largest innovation center. I would love to see what new ideas I can get through. Being a part of the innovation center, I myself, I am like an investor. I invest into various companies via equity or debt or debt convertible to equity. And we also work in a lot of companies as a kind of a strategic partner. That's it from me, Sadia. And welcome all of you on board. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's dive right in. So this this segment will have about four minutes to answer each question. Let's start off with Daniel. Um, and each this will be directed at each one of the panel members. What are some common misconceptions about wealth management and how can they be debunked? Okay, so that's a good question. <clears throat> Many people aren't are not aware of tax law. And the reason why is because as a wealth consulting agency, there are certain restrictions that I have when I advertise to people. Like I can't say in my advertisements that I help lower people's taxes because the IRS is not okay with that. However, we, we, we focus on the intent, right? So, it's interesting how it works because when we focus on the intent of doing what's called a selfless act, I am putting money aside, I'm putting assets aside for the benefit of somebody else. Then a couple of lines later in the tax code, it says you get this amazing benefit, but it becomes more of an unspoken thing. And people could say, oh, well, that's avoiding taxes and tax evasion and all those things. And that's fine because, because we're not doing that. We are not avoiding taxes. What we're doing is we're lowering the amount of taxable events that occur. And ignorance is the price you pay uh, in taxes. And that's, that's quite literally what it comes down to if we don't know the law are not knowledgeable about how to be good stewards of our money and how to pass that on to the next generation, then of course we're going to be taxed much more than we should be. And so it's really about being uh, effective and efficient when it comes to uh, the money that we create for ourselves. But a big part of it is the fact that I have restrictions on what I'm even allowed to tell people. So I have to have disclaimers saying, well, we're not focused on this. We have to focus on the intent behind it. And then once we focus on the intent, then you get all these benefits. But we can't really even talk about the benefits too much because it's such a huge benefit that if everybody knew, most people would lower their tax liability by 70%, right? They truly knew. And so that's, I would say, uh, uh, something that gets in the way that creates a stumbling block. And it makes sense because they're in the business to make money from us, from taxes. So it makes sense. But there's also, uh, with that, that's the reason why the general public and people don't actually know these strategies. And I know I haven't, I've alluded to things and I haven't actually said what they are, uh, but that's why they make it convoluted and confusing when it comes to the tax law, because because if we don't know it, then we end up paying a higher price for that, right? So, uh, so yeah, tax law and efficiency and wealth management is such a fascinating topic, and it does come down to financial literacy. We're in an age of information, and and while we're drowning in, in information, ignorance becomes a choice. 
Thanks, Daniel. So it is just like, hey, get as much information, learn as much as you can so you can beat the system essentially. Yeah, and allow it. And we partner with the IRS. We we use the law to work in our favor. So what happens sometimes is people work against it. Oh, let me try this strategy so I can pay less taxes. Let me try to be sneaky about it. No, 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 no. That's the wrong way to do it because then we can end up in lawsuits and get in trouble and we could they could say we're tax evading. So no, we pay our taxes where we pay our taxes. But we just understand the law so we lower the amount of taxable events that occur. And that's a key distinction. Thank you, Daniel. Ray? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so for me, you know, one of the things that people have brought to me is, um, hey, I'm too young to really worry about my long-term financial situation. That's not true. I think people should start early, um, as early as coming right out of high school or coming right out of college. You should start thinking about your long-term future. Um, I generally tell people to plan for retirement at age 55, not 65, but 55, because if you shoot for that number, um, you might miss it by a couple of years, but you're not going to be working in your 70s, into your 70s, um, trying to accumulate wealth. And that's a misconception that people have had, um, a lot of people who have come across. Um, another one is people thinking that, you know, you can only invest in the stock market when, you know, things are bad. Hey, you know, the market crashed. It's a great time to get in. No, if you work with good um, advisors, good financial planners, good financial advisors, a good CPA, you would be trying to do this slowly and steadily. It's consistency over time. You need to be able to invest money. You need to be able to put money aside to try to get to your goal. You're going to get the peaks and valleys um, in, in the um, stock market always. That has happened since the stock markets have been around. Everything comes back up. But be prepared to do this at all times, not just when things go down. Um, people also think that, hey, you know, there's one formula that works for everyone. No, it's not, it's not that easy. You have to look at your situation. You have to see how much you're making, how much money you got from your parents, if you got anything from your parents. You have to look at, you know, um, what your future, what the future of your market is. If, if you are into, um, something that's going to be very lucrative in the future, your, your industry that you work in is something that's going to explode in the future, then, hey, great, you know, you, you could diversify yourself a little bit later. But one, it, it's not one size fit, fits all. Wealth management, another a misconception people have is that it's only for people who are really, really rich and who have a lot of money. No, anyone can get rich. Everyone can get rich. It's the, the dedication it's the mindset. It's something that you are taught, you know, when you are younger. Um, unfortunately, it's not something that's a habit with a lot of people. A lot of people just struggle to meet and to make ends meet. Um, this has to be taught. This has to be instilled in them when they're children, when they're younger, 
that hey you have to think about your your future and you have to be very serious about your future when it comes to um, the financial aspects of it um another thing i've noticed is people will come they'll have a one-time consultation and they'll think, oh yeah, I know everything about wealth management and how to make money and how to save money. Um, I can make it work. No, you have to surround yourself with by with smart people. You always need to have a good CPA um, or a good chartered accountant. If you you know if that's what your country has, you have to have a good financial planner. You have to have a, a good financial advisor. You have to come up with a plan and stay with it stick with it over time when you do that over time it's going to end up working out really well but I, I you know sometimes i wish that not you know um the way people think changes because not everyone thinks about their future at all times it's you know hey we're making ends meet you know i, I live paycheck to paycheck and tomorrow's another day you can't think like that you have to think 15 years in the future at all times that's something that I try to tell my clients and I've guided a lot of my clients to do that. And, you know, it has worked out really well. Thanks so much, Ray. There's a lot of good points you brought in there and I'm excited to get in, dive in deeper on this call. Niesh, could you please give your take on this? Yes, Adia. So there are many common misconceptions people have about wealth management. You know, I'll give you an example. My daughters are 14 and 10 years old. Uh, we have made a routine for them that every book they read, they get rewarded. If they do 25 laps of swim, they get rewarded. My elder one, she's just won a black belt of state champion and she's been rewarded. And her reward was an iPhone 15 Pro, which is going to get launched on 22nd. So she has started to understand that you have to have good habits. Wealth creation is all about habits. How do we spell habit? H-A-B-I-T. If you remove the H, a bit remains. If you remove the A, bit remains. If you remove the B, it remains. If you remove the T, I remain. That basically means if I have good habits, wealth can be created over a period of time. It doesn't happen overnight. Misconception. A lot of people say we get stock tips from our stockbroker, we invest, and over a period of time, our money will be double, triple, or four times, or 10x. It doesn't happen like that. Life insurance, health insurance. This has to be bought early, not when you retire, because it costs less. There are a lot of benefits, and today, health is such a thing that a lot of young people are getting you know, health diseases, which we never thought they would have it at this age. It's very important for us to realize today that wealth is going to be created over a period of time. It's not an overnight journey. It's like, you know, you care for it, you nurture for it, you make sure your money grows and it makes sure that you have good habits inculcated. These good habits will not happen overnight. For me to build the habits on both of my kids, it probably took me a lot of effort. But today I realized, today they are in a Today they talk about, Dad, which stock do I need to buy? Which analysis I need to do? And there is a stage where today they see a certain amount of surplus. 
and today they are talking about if i am going to touch 18 will i be able to fund my college fees so start early guys have good habits and most importantly be disciplined this is what is my take where the misconception is that you should have a lot of money to have a wealth management done as my friend you know rightly said that having a good wealth advisor is very important now today i have lot of people whom i work with as i mentioned in the introduction that we work with one of the top 1% in our state all these people have a challenge of not wealth is time they do not have time they need people like us who can help them manage their wealth if they would have had all the time in the world they would have not needed us so again there's a misconception that if money is there it will automatically grow no we need to have a proper risk profiling asset allocation and make sure the goals according to the strategy is the money is allocated that's from me sadhya thanks niash start early and get that education in those were great tips so how can individuals balance their need for asset growth with risk management when planning for generational wealth daniel you could start this off this is interesting so how can individuals balance the need for asset growth with risk management when planning for generational wealth so well i'm grateful that you know i've you know built a successful business and everything and I remember talking to this entrepreneur and uh you know I know I've done well but you know he's done well over nine figures and you know we're hanging out this past weekend and uh you know having a really <clears throat> a really good conversation and and he's like well what what is your strategy like what do you want to do right and so I was like well you know I'm working to create a 10 million dollar agency you know and uh and he says he says that's great he says that's great he's like focus on slow money focus on boring money and we know this right we know this through investment advice that we should always have some type of life insurance policy or um we should have uh, an investment of like 10% of what we make that goes and it just slowly accumulates and and so i've been very focused on creating and building a business and what i've seen with a lot of entrepreneurs is that then what happens is you end up investing everything back into the business to get the business to grow which can be over time a, a risk because you know we were even talking about some statistics right where it's like 90 95% of businesses fail and after the you know and that's after the first 5 years and then after that it's like 1/10 of 1% that even succeeds and then the ones that succeed on top of that the ones that do a million or more 10 million he's like now you're getting into fractional you know percentiles of the population and so he you know he was offering that as a perspective of you know even though you absolutely can do that you are actually adding more risk by increasing the amount of money that you're making in your business so uh so it's interesting that you would ask that question because you know I have a very well known nine figure entrepreneur that that's he reminded me of that because we know we know this right we're in the space but it's so great when you when you talk to someone who's already been there to then come and remind you stick with so always take about 10% and put it into something boring you know a laundry mat <laughs> right 
uh, a stock that slowly grows over time. And, and so that, that's what I would, that's what I would consider and, and want to do because, and I also do do that, right? Uh, because, because that's sometimes a boring, when you want your car fixed, you don't try to do it yourself. You go to a mechanic. Why would you not go to a, a financial expert if you need help with, you know, getting more money in your life and building wealth? Another thing is the incremental approach. You know, you don't need to have a ton of money. You don't need to win the lottery to, to become rich. You need to build your wealth over time. And that's what Warren Buffett did. He started investing a long time ago, and he said, make it a marathon, not a 100-meter dash. That helps you if you think long-term. And remember what I said earlier, consistency over time. That is, that is very important. You, you can augment all of what you do with things like life insurance. You know, start early. Don't wait until you're 50 years old to get life insurance. It's not going to help you. If you get it when you're 20 years old, you know, you can get a $5 million life insurance policy for like $50 a month or whatever, you know, probably something like that if you're healthy. That will keep growing. And before you know it, that $50 or $100 that you're, you're putting aside every month has grown to a million dollars when you're 35 years old. It might grow to like $2 million when, by the time you're 50 years old. And, you know, by the time you're looking to retire, you'll have $5 million sitting for you to dip into and also pass to, to your future generations. So that's the key, in, in my opinion, is, you know, if you, if you need to have the resources, you need to think for yourself, you need to have professionals and people who the whole team will get you to the promised land. If, if you, if you do that. Thanks Ray. So it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's almost so obvious to say like, you should go to an expert because yeah, even getting something like a haircut, you're not doing it yourself. So very great, valuable information. And we're going to, oh, one ahead. thing I'll, I'd add to this is people kind of balk when they hear about, oh, I have to pay $500 to do my taxes, but they're so simple. The guy at HR Block is doing it for like $250, $300. What I say to that is if you, you spend that extra $200, but the words of wisdom that you're going to hear from an expert or someone who actually cares to like help you, it's going to be worth it. You know, people don't realize that, you know, they're, they're penny wise, pound foolish, but spending that extra money always helps out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Ray. We're going to jump into the pre-sign-up questions. So we have some time to get, take some questions from our audience. So if you guys have questions, please raise your hand so I can um, see you and bring you up to the panel. Niesh, this question's for you. How do economic downturns and market volatility impact generational wealth and what strategies can be employed to mitigate these challenges? Well, uh, Sadia, the economic downturns and generational wealth can definitely hinder the wealth of the family. That is the reason, you know, we always talk about strategic investing or not tactical investing. Strategical investing is more goal oriented. You know, we call something known as an SIP, which is known as a systematic investment plan. 
a systematic investment plan not only works well if you are disciplined but also during the ups and downs of the market i'm sure all of our friends agree that equity is one of the best ways to create wealth i also agree to that completely and over a period of time if your habit and discipline are in place you make sure that your money is invested regularly in spite of the economic downturns you make money let me give you an example you know when covid happened there have been a lot of investors and clients with us they were saying what is what is next what's going to happen you know niesh what is next where is our money we have lost a certain amount of wealth we have created over a period of 3 to 5 years you know i used to tell them jump in dig in how much money you have put in right now and there are few of my clients we operate globally who live in the us in houston texas manhattan we told them invest how much you have today the same people have made 10 12x of the money which they have invested during that economic downturn i'm sure everybody knows covid had impacted all the equity markets across the board so as my friend you know ray and daniel said have a good coach you know he will guide you during these times and pay them well because these small payments which you are going to make to them can give you huge returns you know if you have a if you take a flight and you are in a flight the pilot takes you from one destination to the other similarly a good wealth manager will take you to the right destination wherever you want to go it could be your child's fund it could be your retirement fund or any other goal but make sure you trust him a pilot is flying your flight you trust him that he's going to take you to the right destination right when you go to a gym when you go to a health club you know that you have a trainer who's going to help you i work out 6 days a week and i know that my coach is very well trained today i i give a lot of my credit of my health to my you know gym coach you know he controls my diet he tells me what to eat what not to eat he tells me what things to be done on which day you know what is pull and push it really helps so you have to make sure that you trust on a good coach a good wealth manager a good investment advisor a financial planner and make sure that you take his word for a long term he will make sure that from these economic downturns he will get you out as a winner that's it from me sadhya thanks so much niesh ray this questions from you tim asked what impact do changing regulations and tax laws have on wealth planning and how can individuals stay informed and adapt to these changes so that's actually a very interesting and you know it's a question that i love hearing um and love answering because in the us we have to be informed you we you know it's something that can impact us so significantly it starts from the education that you get and the reading that you do you need to be apprised of the current political situation of the country uh who's in power you know whether it's a democrat or republican you need to hear about what they say about tax laws um most recently we had a um you know a build back better program that was uh, you know a proposal 
which was a $4 trillion planned um, tax cut that, uh, or tax hike that uh, President Biden was proposing. That would have basically destroyed multiple small businesses and hitting them right where it hurts their wallets. Um, you know, on, on the surface, they were like, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to do infrastructure and clean energy and workforce development, blah, blah, blah. But it, it was something that, you know, when we when I when I looked at the proposal, I was just like sh I was shocked. I'm like, how can this happen? Because if it happens, it, it's going to be debilitating for the economy. Um, <clears throat> currently, the top individual tax rate is 37 percent for people who um make about seven hundred thousand dollars six ninety three is around the um the number the proposal that was uh put into place was about thirty nine point six percent um there was a higher capital gains tax rate which was uh going to be enacted for business sellers for for example someone who let's say remember we talked about people building uh wealth through having businesses that they own which brings in passive income. So this proposal was going to was going to raise the top marginal rate on long-term capital gains um, and qualified dividends to 44.6% for people who make over a million. And that was up from 23.8%, including the net investment tax. So think about the economic impact that would have on a person who, let's say me, I have built a practice, I have built a business which is worth millions right now, and I plan, one of my retirement goals is to sell my business and take the money and retire. If I go, you know, right now I'm budgeting 23% for taxes to be paid for capital gains on the business that I'm going to that, um, sell. If that 23, let, let's say I sell my business for a million dollars. Right now, I'm, I'm thinking 238,000 will, will go to taxes, and I'm going to net the rest. With this proposal, this was going to go to 446,000. So basically, half of what I built over the years was going to go to taxes. Um, another thing that was in this proposal was, you know, uh, property owners were going to lose leverage in real estate transactions. So in taxation, you have you have a vehicle that's called um, a 1031 like kind exchange, which is you know basically uh, eliminates taxes for up to 500,000 for each taxpayer or, you know, a million dollars for married individuals fi filing jointly. What happens is if you were to sell a business or sell a, a piece of real estate for, let's say a million dollars profit, you can park that million dollar profit into another property. If you, you know, if you do it through a tax planner, so you make a million dollars, but you pay nothing in taxes. That was a, a tax shelter that we had. This was going to be erased. Um, the the pass-through structure, which is what most U.S. companies, like Daniel had mentioned, the S corp, the the uh, partnership, uh, Schedule C, that was going to go. Um, you know, they, they were going to raise the corporate tax rate from to 28% from from 21%. So the majority of small businesses who are pass-through businesses were going to be impacted from there. The there was also potentially high net investment tax. So that was going to increase by 3.8% of people who, you know, businesses who make over $400,000. Those little things go and hit people in their wallets. So if you have a plan that you have come up with your, with, with the advisor and before you know it, a tax shell or a tax change comes in, 
you know, your, your favorite president comes in and proposes something like this, it's going to debilitate you. So you need to be conscious of what's going on in the you know, in the political world. You need to work with your Congress people. You need to go and talk to these people and tell them, we do not want the tax rate increase. We don't want this hike. And you make them vote for it. Luckily, because of the debt ceiling issue that we had, you know, um, the Republicans actually asked the Democrats to scratch most of these changes, and they were scratched. Um, so we are safe until 2025. But you know, little things like that. You know, if if you're not informed of what's going on in the world, in the political world, in the U.S., you know, it's going to really hurt you in your wallet and your generational wealth planning that you've done. That will go completely haywire. So. The changing tax laws and regulations can have a significant impact. It is very important for people to completely be immersed into what happens, you know, with um, the political situation. And, you know, you hear the word tax and you hear a president saying something about tax. Make sure you follow what he's trying to say. Make sure you ask your tax advisor, hey, how is this going to impact me? And if it impacts you, go and vote for it or against it. So, yes, it's a very great, very, very good question. I'm glad this was asked. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, there's so much to just keep on top of. So you got to just be, like you said, in the information age, you got to just be on top of it and learn as much as you can and have the right people in your corner that you can ask. Ask your CPA at all times and act upon it. You know, when, when you hear how it's going to impact you, you need to go vote for it or against it. Thanks so much, Ray. Um, Daniel, this question's for you, and then we're going to start taking questions from our audience. Daniel, Jake asked, what are the advantages and disadvantages of using trusts in estate planning for generational wealth? Ooh, great question. I love this. I love this. And I just want to acknowledge Ray and uh, uh, Niesh. So I definitely hear uh, mastery in both of your voices just for from your intellect and, and how you've approached the questions and how you think so I just want to extend my appreciation for that and uh, you're adding your insight and wisdom to this is uh, is is really valuable so yeah thank you thank you so when it when it comes to trust so trusts are interesting. So what I've noticed is, uh, you know, one of my business partners is a tax attorney, and uh, what what happened? This, this is a gap in the marketplace. People would come and they say, "Okay, I made a lot of money, and uh, you know, I've been paying several hundred thousand dollars in taxes. Like it's a burden. I mean, that's a burden, right? If you're you're making, you know, one point two, one point three, and let's just keep it on like that, that scale, you know, you're paying a couple hundred thousand dollars in taxes. Right. And so they're, they're like, there's gotta be a more efficient way an effective way. Cause what if I die tomorrow? And then what happens to my house or to my business? Right. And so there's many advantages. And one of the disadvantages that I saw is that people would come and this happened to me just you know, a month ago. It's, this couple, they you know, have a coaching company out of, out of California, about $2.2 million last year. They set up three trust structures almost three years ago and have done nothing with them. So the gap 
is the administration. They come to an attorney saying, hey, I want to set money aside for the beneficiaries. I know there's some tax implications. And the attorney goes, great, here is your trust indenture. He drafts a complex trust, includes some of your assets. He gives you some quick claim deeds and helps you execute on it, right? But then that's it. He doesn't teach you ongoing administration. So that coupled with, I also work with CPAs that work with complex trusts, with complex trusts and have for the past two decades. So I also rely on that. Uh, but what I like to do is I like to go through uh, an eight-week mentorship. And and sometimes people need a couple more calls aside from that, and that's fine, right? So, But I typically it's around eight weeks where it's at least an hour a week, and I show them how to administer this correctly. Because as a trustee, we're considered a fiduciary. And with that comes a moral responsibility to uphold the assets and income that is coming into the trust for the beneficiaries, okay? And when we do that, when we operate in that manner that my children are going to be taken care of, if I die tomorrow, I have specific instructions that is laid out. And what happens is, and why we avoid probate, right? The death tax, which is three to five percent in the United States, I'm not sure what it is around the world, three to five percent, is because I'm not transferring ownership. I'm transferring management of an asset. Okay, so the so the transfer of management is because the title is not changing hands, the management of it is changing hands. And then when we educate the beneficiaries, then we, we also teach them, like, once it's, once it's over, they last for 25 years, then we need to have a board of trustees that comes and steps in to facilitate ongoing the benefit of the beneficiaries. And when we do that, and when we operate effectively, and we administer these things correctly, then I can put couple of million dollars into a tax deferred environment tax deferred what does that mean that means the taxes are deferred to the beneficiaries in the law's eyes the beneficiaries are the ones that pay the taxes so this is where we need to be smart and strategic because if there's a million dollars in a trust fund we do not want the beneficiary to pay themselves a million dollars whenever they get that trust fund Absolutely not. Why is that? Because if they were to accept that million dollars as cash, they would have about a 37% tax rate on that. So what do we do? They're in, maybe they're in a financial situation. They need help. Okay. Here's $50,000 a year to live on. The rest of the money, over $900,000, is going to stay in this trust fund. And what are we going to do with that? We're going to invest that money. We're going to buy real estate. We're going to buy businesses. Okay. And we're going to roll it back into the trust fund. So yes, as trustees, there's a fiduciary. You can, you can take a payment. You can't, you know, you're not going to get wealthy being a trustee on a specific trust because there's a cap, uh, relatively speaking, of what you can make because you have a fiduciary responsibility 
for the beneficiaries. So hopefully I painted a, a, a picture for you all to see that it's it, it really when we understand and we have true comprehension of the freedom that we are allowed in this country, we can determine the direction that we go in life. Absolutely. And we can do it efficiently and effectively. So uh, it's an exciting place to be. And thank you so much for the question. Thank you so much for that in-depth answer, Daniel. There's so much to take away from there. We're going to start taking questions from our audience members now. Um, Zane, you can go ahead and ask your question. Hello. My question was to Daniel. I want to ask what resources, tools, or professionals should individuals consider enlisting to help them on the journey of building and preserving generational wealth? That's a good question. Uh, I'd say the foundation of that is personal development. It absolutely is because anybody that I've known that has brought themselves to a level of success, they also have worked on themselves a tremendous amount, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Because wealth is, if you look at it as like a wheel, wealth is and money is one component of a spectrum of things that happen in our lives. So we could be wealthy financially, but we could be poor in our health. We could be poor in our mindset, in our beliefs, and our values. We have a lot of money, but then I'm miserable. Okay. We could also be very happy, love life, be spiritually filled, and live a life for God and be totally broke. And so that's where it becomes balanced. So I would say the foundation of all of that is personal is personal development and financial literacy. Go and find someone that is doing what you want to do in the next 10 years and offer to work for them for free. That's how I got my first mentorship. I, I, I didn't let, I, I didn't let him leave, but no, we're working together. And he's like, well, I don't really have any positions. I said, well, I'll work for you for free. You don't have to pay me. <laughs> I'm just, just teach me. And if you go and find someone, I'm sure either in your network or friends of friends, if you find someone that is that has that wealth, the mindset, the beliefs, the values, and the money associated with that, right? They have that, and they are where you want to be. Go work for them for free. That would be the way to turn decades into years of learning. So thank you so much for that question. Thanks for asking that question, Zane. Um, Chris, please direct your question to one of the panel members. Hey, Sadia. Hey, Teha. It's good to see you guys again. Um, admittedly, I just hopped on a few minutes ago, but I really like the topic. I just wanted to provide some insight to what uh, Daniel was saying and a few other people, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, guys. So for those of you guys um, tuning in, I'm I'm Chris. Um, I love this topic personally. I'm in the startups, venture capital space, and other things like that. But I guess kind of a spin that, and I really love that Daniel. You're a man of faith. I don't even know you, but but we're homies now. So guys, from a strategic standpoint, from a sociological standpoint, and all the other above, right? This whole life game we weren't meant to do it alone as humans and how this kind of goes into building wealth as well. So social capital is highly underrated. 
in regards to who you know, what projects you're a part of. For example, here, here in America, the syndicate structure is so powerful. You're looking at one asset class that you cannot conjure to even invest in on your own. This could be real estate. This could be startups, franchises, whatever. But you you go at it with a team and you can reap those returns later. It's just that people have a problem with the later part. Society has a problem with the instant gratification part. And I'll kind of move on from that topic and go on to the topic of courage here. You know, you can make the best plan in the world for anything that I just executed on. But courage is realizing that you have a step Z somewhere down there, but you're scared to work backwards. And, uh, yeah, that's really my insight on that one, I guess. A personal example for me that I hope that kind of inspires you guys to a certain part. So I'm 28, but I have my hands in, like, a lot of things. And just recently yesterday, which I'm glad this popped up on my feed, but... I got offered to uh, be an advisor for an AI edtech startup. How I'm an operator, I've never been an, an advisor, but I told them I would do it for equity, a large amount of equity that's going to be cash later, but skills now. So anything, I think Phil kind of elaborated to this, but any place to go get skills, that's worth more than some currencies. But yeah, guys, sorry if that was off topic, but I just saw my boy Tehop and Sadia put this on, so I felt like I had to go jump in and support, but hope you guys all have a good day. Thanks so much. Appreciate you, Chris. Vanya, you can ask your question to one of the panel members. Hey, Sadia. Thanks for giving me the chance to ask my question. My question was for me. It was, how should one select a wealth advisor? I'm sorry, was it directed to me? Yeah, yeah, it was. Sounds like it. Yeah, sounds like it, right? Yeah. And, and, and what did you say? I'm My sorry, question I... was, yeah, no, no. My question was, how should one select a wealth advisor? Uh, I think one thing that I, you know, working in sales along with uh, working as a CPA, um, I have learned that when you see, um, tenure in a person's uh, work and you see the experience in the background, that tells you something. So if a person has worked with, let's say, Wells Fargo for 10 years or 8 years or 12 years, that means they're doing something right. If you see them hopping around too much on LinkedIn, um, it tells you that maybe they're not successful in what they're doing. Otherwise, they would have stuck around. right? Um, unless there's a very good story behind all their moves. But that is... One that that's one of the first things I look at when I, whenever I'm looking for a professional, I see, I, I look at their background and do research on them. I would advise you to go and interview a couple of people, and you know, see how they, um, you know, after the initial consultation, what they tell you and what their plan is for you. You know, if you go and tell them, look. You know, I'm interviewing three or four different people. I'm going to see who I want to stick with. If if the person sits down and they hear you out and they think about what is going to work for you long term, um, and it you know, and they click with you, if you feel like yes, this person is actually you know he's making sense, and you know th this is where I want to be, you know, at age 55, great, you go with them. Um, 
most people will be very good at what they do. Um, and you know, it's a lot of it has to do with your personal rapport with, with that individual. But there's certain things that, you know, the couple things that I would really, you know, tell you to do would be a look at the tenure, B, make sure that you go with someone experienced. I mean, that, feel bad saying this for some of the younger people, but you know, if I was choosing someone, I would want someone who has the experience. And then after you interview these experienced people, see what kind of plan they come up with. If they show genuine interest in your long-term benefit future, um, then yes, that, that could be a person that you should work with. If they're only in there because they know, hey, you're bringing $500,000 to the table and they can make money off of it, that's probably not the person that you want to work with. That person has to feel, um, you know, they have to have, feel it for you. You know, my clients, when I work with them, I think of their money as my money. I do not like paying taxes. I don't want my clients paying taxes. I, I, I want to be wealthy. I want my clients to be wealthy. So, you will get that feeling after talking to them. And if, if they exhibit that during your conversation with them, then you'll have your answer. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Thanks for that question, Vanya. I am bringing Alia up to the stage. There we go. Um, Isla, go ahead and direct your question. Isla, are you still with us? Hi, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, so my question is directed toward Niesh. So I wanted to ask, what are the key components of a comprehensive financial plan for building and preserving generational wealth? Uh, so thank you for your question. Uh, there are three important components uh, when we do a comprehensive financial planning we look into. First is we call it as wealth preservation. Second is wealth enhancement. And third is wealth distribution. Wealth preservation is like it works on the pyramid theory. You know, the bottom of the pyramid is always the biggest one. So we need to secure the family. We need to secure their future, their goals, their education, etc. The second is wealth enhancement, where which is the middle portion. We basically help you take risks on your portfolio depending on the tenure of your goals. So someone has a short-term goal, we cannot take a high-risk kind of an investment. Someone has a reasonably long-term goal, we take you know, kind of a balanced approach in the portfolio. And someone has a very long-term goal, we take a very high risk because we know that after a period of seven years, if you invest in any equity, any equity, the chances for you to lose money is 0%. Right? And the third is wealth distribution. Wealth distribution is whatever money you've accumulated over a period of your lifetime, which goes as an asset to your next generation by paying minimal taxes. These are the three areas we work on. On the first thing, the wealth preservation, we start off with a very comprehensive financial plan. The comprehensive financial planning helps us understand your risk profile, your goals, 
it helps us understand where you've currently invested it helps us understand where you want to go it helps us understand how you want to go you like to take a ship you like to take a bike you like to take a car you like to take a jet to reach to your goal wealth enhancement is also one area which helps us understand according to your goal what is the area we need to in, invest in it could be a kind of a debt instrument or an equity or a startup fund etc and as i said in the wealth distribution we help to create wealth in such a way that it's carried forward to your next generation by making a will a trust or a succession plan this is how we work on a comprehensive solution and the best part is we provide you a detailed report which gives you each and every asset of yours it is allocated to which goal if you are going to reach that goal or not if you are not going to reach that goal what action we will take on that how much or more investment needs to go what diversification of portfolio or asset needs to be done it's a very detailed understanding if you have time you can visit our website wealthmunshi.com i'm the founder of the company you probably see on google also we have lot of success stories of our clients who been with us for generations there have been people who been working as a parent their kids are also now working with us like two generations portfolio be managed across six continents amazing thank you Does so much that answer your question sorry sadia that that yeah, answer Yes, that does. Thank you so much. Most welcome. Sorry, Sanjay. Thank you for Thank your question, Ella. And no problem, Neeraj. Um, I just want to be cognizant of everyone's time. I know we're running over a little bit, so I'd love to get closing statements from the speakers um, and where you can be reached. If you can be reached, um, Daniel, you can start this off. Sure. If uh, anyone wants to reach me, they can uh, hear on. LinkedIn, also EliteEstateAdvisors.com, can reach me there. And uh, if you have any questions about anything that we've talked about, it's uh, it's something that's not taught in schools. And uh, there's only two universities in the United States that even cover contract law, which contract law is what trusts are based on. And uh, you know, I do master classes on all of that to really teach people how to uh, to live uh, free. And uh, and a sovereign life, and also uh, really reduce the the tax burden they have in their life, and be efficient and effective in their life. And uh, you know, so much of it is about mindset too. Just it's like we have all the tools, but then also helping with the mindset and beliefs around it, so that way people can actually be pulled in the direction that they want to go. So yeah, EliteEstateAdvisors.com, uh, you know, that's my website. You can go there. You can um, uh, book a call or, or get in touch with us in, in a way if you like. And uh, we'd be happy to uh, educate you on how to create real generational wealth for your um, children's children. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Daniel. Ray? Thanks for having uh, me on, uh, Sadia. So um, what I would say is uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me, they can always reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn. Um, I'm based out of Baltimore. Um, I do have a very, very busy schedule. 
So one-on-one -on -one meetings are very difficult to get with me, but if you are um, interested, reach out to me. I'll try to make, make time. If I can't meet you in person, I will take a phone call. Um, much to the chagrin of my wife who thinks that I'm always on the phone, but um, I take phone calls of the weekend. I take phone calls at nighttime. Um, anything I can do to try to help people out, I do. Um, we have uh, multiple people on staff at my CPA firm who can also help you out. Um, if you have any questions on how to grow your wealth, how to, you know, if, if you have a business, you, you need help with taxation. Um, if you need, you know, planning advice, advice, I, I will connect you with someone. If I, if I can't help you personally, I'll connect you with someone um, whose work I will oversee at some point in time. But, and yeah, thanks again for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ray. Niesh, um, closing statements? Thank you, Sadia and Taha, first of all, for inviting me. Everyone, it was so glad to connect with all of you. In fact, few of the things which I have learned from Ray and Daniel were amazing. Thank you so much, guys, for partnering with us and probably seeing uh, to probably, I get to learn a lot of things from both of you as well. I am uh, very well available on Zoom. I operate out of India. I live in Hyderabad. I don't live in the US. I do travel to US uh, whenever there is a need. But uh, I'm available on Zoom. Uh, my work timings are morning 9 a.m. to 6 a.m. only Monday to Friday. But Saturday and Sundays I'm off. I do not take calls. I do not entertain any official stuff. And I believe in totally the balance of life. So, you know, guys, I'm sorry for that. But 926 is what? This is the time you can reach me out. You can reach out to our website, wealthmunshi.com. W-E-A-L-T-H, wealth, M-U-N-S-H-I. Dot com and you can book an appointment you can mention that you are on a call with Sadia and you know DC team and I'll be very happy to see if anything I can help you to manage your money on wealth and you know help you on the other areas of financial planning wealth management as well as succession planning thank you guys thank you so much thank you so much to the speakers and everyone who joined and listened in this was such a valuable call. I learned so much and um, there's so many takeaways. I do hold these calls bi-monthly and we will be uploading this call so you can listen to it on our socials. And if you have someone that you know would benefit from it, please share it with them. And if you're interested in being a speaker, please reach out, message me on LinkedIn. I'm just so excited for how this call went and thank you all so much. And um, have a good rest of your day or a good night, depending on where you are in the world.